welcome to episode two. Yes, we did make it to episode two of the Half Wheeling podcast. Great to be joining you again. My name's Ross Hill and I'm joined by my co-host and as previously stated in the last uh, episode, road captain of this podcast, Scott Barrow. Scotty, welcome, mate. Thank you very much, Ross. So I'm road captain. What are you? Do we have dual road captain leadership here? How does that play out? Well, I obey the orders that come from you, which um, given that we're sort of co-hosts, I'd probably consider myself sort of a, a super domestique. But if there's a bottle to be to be had to, you know, to go and get, I'll go back and get it. Okay. Yeah. So does that mean I'm like the leader, the team leader? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the pecking order here. Okay. Um, you're, you're sort of high up. And, I kind of um, like that because, I, first of all, it means that I don't have to go back and get bottles, so that's good. And then also, but, but I'm a bit concerned then that I actually have to produce. I have to actually have to deliver something. So is there a way we can get around that? Well, you can call it producing. I would sort of think that you have to have all the answers. That's, <laughs> that's how this works. So if there's, if there's a, a, a point to be made or an answer to be given, you need to have it, mate. That's, yeah. that's the deal we've, here. We've already discussed how we can do that too because we don't have to be accountable to anything. So we'll just say something. You can say whatever you like. Yeah. Scotty, we are on the brink of Nirvana for a cycling fan given that we're, we're days away from the Tour de France. But I don't know about you, it still feels like the, the rug is going to be taken from under us and, and this Tour de France may not go ahead. I'm not sure. It just seems too good to be true that it's actually gone ahead. What are your thoughts on that? It does feel obviously weird. I think they'll somehow find a way to get it done, um, even though they might have to few, step on a few toes and break a few rules and do all those sorts of things. I think they'll just be so desperate to follow it all through, um, not because they're evil or selfish, but it's just one of those, it's a big circus, it's a big runaway train and it sort of builds its own momentum and I think, yeah, I just think it'll, I think it'll happen. I'm not saying it should or shouldn't, but I think it will. Yeah. Could it be a case of if there is some positive tests and they've already come out and said that if there's two team members or, or members of that particular team's party who test positive, they'll be thrown out. Could it be back to the good old days where if if there is a positive test somewhere, let's just sweep this under the carpet just for a little bit and we need this show to keep rolling. Could it be a case of that? Yeah. Yeah, it could be, and I hope so, because we need a bit more drama around the tour. There's not enough drama. There's not enough hijinks. So I think it's definitely a good idea. And I'd probably just prefer to say, all right, that, that's, that person's out, whoever's got it, that person's out, plus three more of your team is out, so you choose, and then that team has to somehow produce with, you know, four less men. Yep. Um, I, I prefer that to really see what they could do. Or could we suspend or maybe sort of introduce some sort of penalty that they wear this giant freaking gas mask on their face so protect the other riders in the peloton and make it terribly hard for them to compete? That's right. Yeah, they have to um, drag around this sort of like this little trailer with oxygen on the back, just to keep <laughs> like a bubble. <laughs> and speaking of um, teams missing, um, missing members if they get COVID and all that, let's... Let's just switch gears for a second. I looked at, um, you know, on the brilliant GCN app, which we were going to discuss today. Oh, my God, got, yes. I had a quick squiz last night. Oh, yeah, the French national championships are on. Arnaud Demar wins. We know he's a, he's a, you know, he's a good rider. He's won the Milan San Remo. He won a Tour de Wallonie just recently, you know, yep. a few days ago. 
But have a guess, Ross, if you didn't already know, have a guess how many FDJ um, riders were in the national championships? Um, let me guess. I would say um, all of them. Well, I don't know how many is on their squad, but what I do know is they had 17 in the race. 17? I was, I was going to take a bit of a stab at 15, but, yeah, yeah. I, I, that's extraordinary. So I didn't even I didn't even check how long that how many k's that race is or whatever, but just say it's two hundred and twenty k's and you got seventeen blokes on your team setting up demand. You could basically do a lead out from K one, couldn't you? <laughs> who's, who's up first? If you get that first little stint and you can smoke the cigar for the rest of the race, can't you? That's right. You can actually be high fiving the the hobnobbing and the high fiving with the champagne in the grandstand if you're late. People lead off man number one. You've already showered, changed, you're high-fiving as you watch DeMar come across the line. You are three-quarters pissed by the time he's actually <laughs> on the podium. 17 teammates. That's Fuck. extraordinary. You know, we consider the Mitchell and Scott um, Australian National Championships, they have that advantage with, what, it might be five or six at times, depending on who's sort of taking part. 17's off its head. Yeah, I know. And, you know, like, part of me just wants to go, ah, oh, bloody French, that'd be, that'd be right, you know, bloody French. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, American pricks. Hey, Scotty, um, we could dissect every team who's in the Tour de France and we could give our unaccountable opinions on, on a lot of them, but I thought we might just pick apart a few of the, the popular ones or the more, more noted inclusions and exclusions. Probably think that the best, way, best place to start would be Ineos. There was a lot of talk uh, in the lead-up races with the lack of form and racing. Of I know everyone's had a lack of racing, but Froome coming back from injury was struggling form. In the end, they've they've gone with a squad without Froome and Thomas, which is Garrett Thomas, which was really interesting, particularly the Thomas one. I think you could almost read the play on the Froome one, but the Thomas mm. one was a, was a really interesting one, given that he won it two years ago. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and it's like um, he won it two years ago. Some people reckon he might have even won it last year if those cut stages hadn't been shortened. He might have, you know, just had a bit more oomph than Bernard potentially. Anyway, yeah, he was off, you know, and the Dauphiné, he was well off the mark as well. But then, you know, all those questions, I, want, I would love to know, you know, what, what did they base that decision on? Was it you're just off the mark and we can't take anyone? Or Because he might be going, well, I can still do a job. You know, I can still do a job. I can help out Egan. But... Does he want to do that? Does he go, fuck it, oh, I've, I've won. I don't want to go there again as a domestic. I've done that for years. I'll just um, try and get myself up to the Giro, all that, you know, or does he want to just go to the big dance no matter what? You know, some people want to go where they've got a better chance of winning. Some people would rather go at the highest level comp and, you know, the Tour is the highest level comp, isn't it? So, yeah, wouldn't be great to know that what, that, what it was sort of based on. The whole time I, I felt as if, the Giro was a bit of a sweetener for him as, as a bit of compensation for not going to the Tour. But when you say it like that, you know, that point about does a past winner want to sit in the shadows of team leader, which would be Bernal, obviously, it's a, it's a massive sacrifice to make. But then you think, if you're the director of sport, do you think, well, geez, we've got a winner two years ago. Do we want to sacrifice that knowledge on the road to to maybe sit, you know, or sit him on the sidelines and wait for the Giro? It's Geez, there's, there's arguments both ways. Yeah, it's, I reckon it's very reminiscent of like um, modern football, both here in Australia and internationally, where they really back in their systems. And so they would rather have, you know, a team full of riders that are all on the top of their game, theoretically, than having a couple of riders who are extremely great riders 
but off their game, you know, that maybe their risk is too too good. Maybe um, they see it, yeah, like there's no doubt he's, he was off the pace, right, Thomas? So it's like, do you take him to help Bernal? Well, yeah, he's got a lot to bring, but if he can't be there in the last four Ks of the climb, three Ks of the climb, is there any value? I'm, I don't have an answer, but yeah, it's it's a very interesting one. You know, like nowadays they sort of go off the numbers. Maybe 10 years ago they would have just gone, no, he's a champion, he'll, he'll produce something of value, you know what I mean? Yeah, perhaps the, more um, not a motive. It's not as simple as that, but yeah, the, the more more about oh, you know, you can't do that. He'll he'll produce something. He's a champion. Champions always do. Yeah. Whereas I don't think old Davy Davy Brailsford. I don't think he gives a fuck about that type of sentiment. <laughs> I think um, that's probably the, the one thing Dave wants to do. He wants to fucking make sure <laughs> he certainly has. Because if I read this um, squad out for you, there's not too many weak links. Bernal, leader. Carapaz, you'll get onto him a little bit later. Sivakov, Kwiatkowski, Castroveo, Van Baal, Luke Rowe and Amador. That's yeah. not a bad squad you put together for, for the biggest cycling event of the year. Yeah, they're either, they're either completely proven or in form. Now, of course, um, Froome and uh, Thomas were um, proven, but proven as major, major factors in the team as opposed to supporting factors. So, yeah. so suppose yeah, no. perhaps that, that road captain role is a little bit overstated when you consider some of the firepower that they've got there. Listen, Garen, yeah. you know, you might have a brain for it, but we don't need you, mate. We've got, we've got seven or eight other guys who are absolutely flying. So thanks for your, thanks yeah. for your efforts. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Luke Rowe could call, apparently he's really good at, he's really good at reading the play, you know, especially on the flats, you know, so he can, he can sort of, guy there and then maybe maybe I don't know, I'm assuming, but maybe it's it's Kukowski who can do it on the mountains a little bit until he has to peel off. Yep. So maybe they've got that covered. Now Scotty, if you thought that Ineos was a was a good side, because a good squad, have a listen to this one. Dumoulin, <laughs> Grand Tour winner. Roglic, clearly the favourite at this point. Bennett, Van Art, Tony Martin, Sepp Kuss, Robert Hessink. Jumbo Visma's squad is reasonably talented there. There's a couple of guns to fire. Yeah, Manchester City, isn't it? Like they've just washed <laughs> up and they've, they've flooded the decks. Bloody hell. The only thing that hasn't really gone their way there is, is Stephen Crowsweik, obviously injured yeah. in the latter parts of the Dauphiné. So that's probably the only thing that hasn't gone their way. If they had him, bloody hell, it's it's a real squad to be reckoned with. Yeah, if they had him, I would be putting a lot of money on, on them. And the reason why it's a big loss, because Crowsweik is so consistent and reliable in, um, in his climbing, in his form, he's always thereabouts. And across three weeks, he's very, very... He doesn't like ice, but other than that, he's a, he's a good bike rider. You know, he did crash into the wall of ice. That, yeah, um, and, and he does have that permanent coat hanger in his jersey, which I'm sure that Jumbo Visma haven't been alerted to yet. Hey, Stephen, it no. might be more comfortable on the bike without that coat hanger inserted in your shirt. That's right. Exactly. At least bend the coat hanger. Hopefully it's a metal one. I mean, yeah, he's got good postural awareness, hasn't he? With his <laughs> he's, not like, he's not yet like a typical hunchback. Creepy looking pro song. <laughs> hey Scotty, the other one I wanted to um, to bring attention to is Bahrain McLaren. Um, obviously, no Cav in this year's tour. Still trying to find some form and find some good health from his virus. Seemingly, he's had for the last two years, which meant they're all in for sprint stages for Sonny Colbrelli, the best name in the peloton in the world tour at the minute. I love that name, Sonny Colbrelli. I actually just sit at home sometimes and just say Sonny Colbrelli to myself quite a bit. Hey, um, hey Ross, are you going to have your dinner now? 
Yeah, sunny cold brelly. Uh, sunny cold brelly. <laughs> what are you drinking with? Oh, I'm having a sunny cold brelly. Yeah, when you say it, do you feel like it's a you know like from the Godfather in one of those sort of you know because Sunny was one of the one of the sons. It's like is, is it one of the like is it the mafia in the Peloton? Is that hey, what you like? Sunny cold brelly. <laughs> so Scotty, that means they're all in for um, GC for Mikel Lander. Which um, after we, we you and I have both watched that movie star doco, Mikel, if he seems to be. Someone who things don't go his way, that he can get a little bit shitty. I don't yeah. know whether that's just... And also down on himself, a little bit down. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's going to be yeah. interesting. I'm not sure I had a little bit of a look at their team in terms of what he's got around him, but it won't be good enough for him because, he'll, he'll you know, the wind will be blowing the wrong way at certain points in the race. <laughs> That'll count against him. But the Cav one, mate, it's, I don't know, I feel a little bit sad for him. One of the greats of the sport, I mean... 40-odd Grand Tour sprint stage wins. It's it's an outstanding record. Would have been good to see him go around again. Not to say he won't in the future, but, yeah, yeah. a little bit sad for Cav. Yeah, and, I mean, I saw that post he put up saying that, you know, hey, guys, you would have seen that I'm not in the team. Everyone's got to have their thoughts about that, but here's mine. He said, I'm someone who needs a bit of racing in me to get going, and I haven't had that. And the Tour de France parkours this year is the hardest I've ever seen. So, you know, that's the way he was spitting it, and that and that's ultimately some truth. It's been a while since he's been in, in, a, bit, in, in a bit of form anyway. So, yeah, yeah, I... I couple of years ago when he got sick and you know you see that Ross with a few with a lot of athletes they have um the ones that stick around for a long time they have this one breakout season when they're a really mature age not when they're like Vanderpoel in the peak sort of youth but when they're like say 34 35 they have this incredible peak season and then something happens like an injury or something and then they just the mojo seems to go and that's where I reckon, that, you know, the Valverde, it'll be interesting to see because he had the, you know, the crash at the tour and the tour in the time trial. So it'll be interesting to see if he can bring something back at his age now. And, uh, you know, Cav, yeah, I don't know. I can't see him, put it this way, I, wouldn't, I couldn't see him winning another tour stage. Um, no. He's got another season on his deal next year, but I couldn't see him winning one. It's probably but, just that bridge too far, isn't it, at this point, um, given so his age and... Yeah, yeah, and and we had a chat about this um, off air a little while ago, just about sprinters, and, and you mentioned a little bit about it then, just the dynamics of it, and if you have that that incident, that moment where something just doesn't go your way, you know, you've, we've seen it with Kittle, Gripel's been on top of his game at one point, and then one incident might drop you away. You're overtaken really quickly as a sprinter, just mm. due to the the real finiteness of that skill you can be overtaken really quickly so then you've got you and seemingly the best sprinter in the world at the minute you know how long does that rain last for it just depends if how healthy yeah. and incident free you can stay yeah and it also with the cavendish thing um it also reminds me of kelly slater in surfing <clears throat> so those who don't know he's considered to be the best competitive surfer of all time and they were calling him that like in his 20s basically he's now 47 48 he's still competing on the world tour with the best he's won 11 world championships in the last couple of years he came back onto the tour full-time because he, he had a bit of a break he retired as being an older athlete anyway he got all these business interests he's got his own surf brand clothing he's got his own wave wave uh, pool com- company he's got all this opportunity and he's got his hands in a lot of pies and he came back into pro surfing and wanting wanting to win the world championship and now he used to be able to do it because he was just a better surfer than everyone else you know yes he, he'd psych him out he's very tactically good and all that but he was just used to be better 
than everyone else. But now there's probably about four or five guys who are actually surfing better than him. And I reckon it was a case of, you know, maybe he just believed in himself and he thought he could. It felt to me like he had all these other interests outside of, outside of the actual act of winning heats, surfing heats. And when everyone else has got better and you've maybe just been away from your sharpness has dropped a little bit, blah, 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 blah. And I, and I wonder if that sort of factor with Cavendish could be a play here. I mean, he's going to Bahrain McLaren now. I don't know what the deal was. And apparently he's got some partnership in there and all that. But it, to me, it smacks of, you know, um, what's his name? Um, David Beckham going to LA Galaxy. You know, it's like it's, it's a retirement home. That's how, that's how it feels to me. Now, it might be completely different to him. I could be full of shit. But I just feel like, I don't know, I don't know if you go there, if you're hungry, to get some the, the next four stages at the tour to, to tie Mercs. Yep. Collect the, the super check and um, perhaps Maybe. let's just yeah, no, ride off I into the sunset. I don't blame him for that, but I'm just wondering if that could be a factor in all this. Yeah. And we'll be we're looking on an in interest, uh, you know, at that. What happens in, in the case of the sprinters? At the tour this year, Scotty, was there anything else from the tour that that took your fancy for discussion? Yeah, well, as soon as they said, um, as soon as Ineos said, Froom out, yeah, understandable. Thomas out, well, okay, yeah, understandable. Bit of shock, didn't think they'd have that, but no, yep, yeah, righto. And who comes in? Carapaz. Look, I've made a big, a big assessment of uh, Richard Carapaz. I've made a big assessment of him based on very scant evidence. But that's the way we like to do it. So I call Carapaz, uh, Richard Carapaz, Carapaz the killer. Yep. Because in that last year, Giro, when he won, you know, he went off the front on a couple of mountain stages. They let him go because I guess they didn't feel he was a threat. But, you know, he went away. He didn't come back and he gained seconds and minutes, right? And then he, he had a better time trial than Lando. And we saw that in the Mario Star doco. But what was interesting to me was one of the DS talking about Carapaz, and, and I can't remember the exact words, but they were saying, you know, he's really authentically confident or something along those lines. Like he doesn't doubt himself. And you, and you watch his body language, and I know reading people's body language is a fraught science, but you watch him and you just feel something from him. I do anyway. And then he talked about the stage where they went up the Mortarolo last year's Giro. He said that he had Antonio, one of their, Pedro Antonio or whatever, going up with him. And he said there was three of us going up the Mortarolo. And then he goes, and it was a slaughter. And the guy's, what, how old is he? 24, he's won his first major event. And he's talking as though, like, he's fucking Alberto Condor, no doubt in the world. It wasn't arrogant. It was just like, boom, boom, boom. And I'm like, for me, I just felt like I was looking at a stone cold killer. Yep. And I don't know. He might never get another great result in his life. But if he's got the legs here, I mean, I don't think, put it this way, he'll be like Valverde. As soon as Egan doesn't need to perform or it doesn't affect the team, Carapaz will be doing something in this tour, I'm, I'm sure, if he's got the legs, which he seems like, yeah. So anyway, there's my piece. He Carapaz. Just might get a, just sniff or, or smell, taste something in the, in the water. If there's blood there. He's going to just zero in and go for it. And, and it's interesting you mentioned, Scotty, about when he went up the road, just a little bit of an acceleration away he goes, that may not happen again, just given mm. what he's done and, and now he's got a bit of a reputation. So I was thinking as you were talking there, gee, is he a, a king of the mountain chance? And you think, oh, I don't think they're going to let him go because no. if, if something happens to Bernal, he's number no. one for Ineos and they're all in. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it'll be, I don't know. I don't know how, I mean... 
I guess they, you'd think though that, that Ineos would resort to type, wouldn't it? They'd be like, all right, let's see if Bernal's got the legs and we're all in for him until he hasn't got the legs and then we'll, we'll shift our strategy. You'd think that Carapaz is riding for Bernal completely, wouldn't you, at this stage? You would think so. But killers, you don't trust yeah, killers, right. mate. That's right, exactly. We've seen the Badger do it. We've seen them all do it, you know. We've yeah. seen Valverde do it, you know. He doesn't like to, you know, he'll ride for Quintana, but if Quintana's gone, mate, I'm, I'm up the hill. I'm gone too. <laughs> see, see you later. later. <laughs> we'll see you after the finish line on the bus. <laughs> hey, Scotty, some quick predictions. Yellow? Uh, easy, Roglic. Roglic for me, yep, I agree with that one. King of the Mountain, who gets the polka dot jersey for you? Is that, do you know if that guy who rides for Trek, um, Ciccone, is he, is he riding the tour? I'm not sure. We, we haven't spoken to Richie this week. Richie hasn't, um, I think he might have smelt the... the yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure what's going on there, or whether they've released their team, but no doubt Richie will let us know. When, when you, know, you know, what's his name? Is it Julio? Is it Julio? Julio Ciccone? Might be, yeah. in the Giro last year, I think it was. Anyway, if he's doing the tour, how's, this, how's that for preparation, mate? How's that? If he's doing the tour, I think he's a chance to win the King of the Mountain. There you go. <laughs> They've just changed their team around. I don't think he was in originally. <laughs> um, KO in for me. I'm going for Warren Bargill. I think he's won up before. I'm going to go for yeah. him again. He's just always up the road and... and He'll get in a couple of breaks on, on some of those big mountain stages, I reckon. Green jersey, sprint. Well, Sagan's not doing the tour, is he? Yep, he's in. Oh, he is? Yep. I thought he was, I thought he was only doing the Giro. He's doing, no, he's the, doing the Giro, not the classics. That was correct. Mistake. Yep. Yep. It's him by a whisker over Matthews. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's changed a little bit, the green jersey now, whereas it used to be that pure sprinter. Now mm. you get Sagan and, and Matthews going up the road, get those intermediate sprint points just to build the totals up and up. And I'm not saying it takes the gloss off it a lot, but you're, you're less inclined to get that pure sprinter. Caleb Ewan, the way it is at the minute, will never win a green jersey. Yeah, they put some of those points in the middle of climbs and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it, it is, it's, it's more of a bit more of an all-rounder sort of a jersey. Yeah, I think so. Uh, white jersey, probably agree on Bernal here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm not even sure of the eligibility of it, but we'll give it to him anyway. Just that's who I wrote down. <laughs> hey, Scotty, there were some nationals on the weekend just gone, and I just want to highlight one of them. Matthew Vanderpol um, soloed to victory 44 kilometres out in the Dutch National <laughs> Championships. Get this. Averaged 396 watts for 180 kilometres. How do you like them apples? Yeah, look, I mean, that's not that impressive, though. Like, you and I can do it for 45 seconds, so let's be serious here. But I actually watched just, I just watched a tiny little clip of that where he did, they, they did a, made that, had a man-made, if you like, a man-made cobbled hill. I think, I don't know if it was for the race, but it was sort of new. Newly yep. fabricated, and that's where that's where he attacked, and it didn't seem that long. And then they he went over the top of the hill, and then he that the camera pulled back, and he had maybe a hundred, hundred fifty meters on two guys, and then there's a bunch further back. Yeah, I guess that's all he needed. You know, he needed just to get a bit of a gap to put a bit of um, wind in their face, a bit of doubt, because I thought, oh, maybe they could have pulled it back because it wasn't that far at that point. Maybe they'll cactus trying to go with him up the hill because he had a 
big go at a saddle. So, yeah, he's just, yeah, he's strong. Oh, it's strong. awesome to see a big beast like that just get out of the saddle and say, righto, boys, we're going to go now. Do you want to you want to come with me? It's, he's almost asking the question of them. I love it. Mate, you touched a little earlier on the GCN app. I just want to mention yeah. it here. I'm sure, given that quite a few of our listeners will be dedicated cycling fans, the GCN app is the greatest thing that's come around since disc brakes and electronic group sets. It is fucking magnificent. To be able to watch every race that's happening at this point, of which there is a shitload, it is just absolutely sensational. Who would have ever thought on a Sunday night that you would be able to sit back on the couch and not watch 60 minutes on a Sunday night but watch the Spanish National Championships? Absolutely magnificent. Yeah, the Women's Spanish National Championships or you know, the Lithuanian third division. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I, I just got some message when I went on the app to Ross. They've, um, I think they've made it available for to desktops now, so you don't have to look at watch the races through the microscope of the phone. Oh, really? You can watch it on a bigger screen. Yeah, yeah I know. Before you could have um, looked at Chromecast or whatever the fuck it is, but I was having all sorts of troubles <laughs> with that. But, but now I think you can watch the app through your desktop computer, so a bigger screen. Oh, so there's your going. game changer. There is your game changer. And, look, I like the way you frame that statement up too because GCN is the greatest thing, so you're already setting up expectations there and you've, you've included, what was your two, the greatest thing since... Disc brakes. An electronic group, yep. That's yep. not provocative at all, is it? No. That's not provocative at all, is it, saying the greatest thing since disc brakes. My God. <laughs> Now, Ross, let me ask you a question. Right. Ineos are famous for their attention, Team Ineos are famous for their attention to detail. They're famous for their, what we perceive as huge cash, cash reserves at their disposal. Yep. Um, they're, 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 initially, they were very famous for fucking boring racing as well <laughs> and useless, useless performances in the classics, but now they've turned all that around. And now, they're, you know, they're, they're also famous for having some shady relationships with Ineos itself, with Dave Brailsford. Dirty Dave. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So question for you is how many washing machines, given the COVID situation, how many, and their tendency to have lots of different washing machines because they want to minimise germ transfer from washing mix and that. How many washing machines are they going to have? How many of Roy's slave and sanitizer baths are they going to be using? And will they be using separate camper vans inspired by Richie Port's um, grand performance in the Giro a few years ago? Right. Well, Scotty, I'm glad you asked that because I know, and I'm sure you'd be across the fact that in the Tour de France they'll be called the Ineos Grenadiers. What is that? I believe it's I believe it's like a four by four vehicle of some description. Um, rich. Europeans take out on the weekends with their caravans. Obviously, we're in COVID times and, and we need to cover off bases in terms of hygiene and we don't want viruses passed on from team to team. They run a really tight ship and dirty days all across this. They were very close to not being called the Ineos Grenadiers and due to the increase in washing machines, they were almost Ineos Fisher and Paykel due to the uh, some sort of sponsorship they've got with washing machines. They will be across that. You will see Chris uniforms mm. and I do believe that they will be dousing their chamois in uh, sanitizers uh, so they'll be overnight soaking really marinating that up in some sanitizer baths there'll be no expense spared in that Scotty either no well 
because they got so much money, they could just have a kit for each day of the tour. And then what they could do, Ross, and this is just a suggestion. I know we get a few texts from Dave, but, you know, we haven't got that much time. Big shout out to Dirty Dave. Yeah, g'day, Dave. You know, we'll, we'll get to you when we get to you, mate. Just stay patient. Perhaps they could go from the, uh, you know, they go over the finish line, they go back to the bus, they get on their, you know, on the trainer to cool down. Great high professional, beautiful stuff. Then they get in the the bath full of sanitizer, which is actually just a fold out from the back of the bus, right? Sanitizer. And, you know, Ross, there's alcohol in sanitizer, isn't there? Oh, there is. Yes. Right. So then they get out of the kit, nude, but but behind a modesty screen. And what about then? There could be a ceremonial lighting of the uniforms of the kits each day and it just frazzles, you know, like, you know that, like, you know when magicians light things and it just yeah. disappears in front of your eyes and they could do that for the crowd each day, you know, and hopefully none of the riders have the stiffy behind the modesty screen. <laughs> you know what I mean? The, I see oh. such a, a part of the routine, ceremony, yep. great sponsorship value, a lot of offshoot products. I like the ceremonial sense that you've gone with there. I think that's got some real um, – in, in a year where the Tour de France has been, you know, up against it, it's got to be said, this could be adding just that extra layer to it. I think there's development also in terms of the food and drink stations that they'll have mid-race. Perhaps in the Musette bag will be a bin with sanitizer there. You might see on those hot stages they'll douse themselves with the water. I'd expect one bin full of sanitizer over the head, clean yourself up. Um, similarly – the Swan years will hose down riders as they ride past, as they hand them a bid. And so, oh mate, we, we will be, or not we, teams will be going to great lengths to uh, be healthy. What would you, when you see those guys and they've spent three weeks in the in the French summer and they and the and the kits now are so thin, the material, so they get you know they get sun exposure through the kits. Imagine you've just doused yourself with a full bottle of sanitizer. It's all gone down your back. What would that do to your sun suntan potential? Is that like is that an accelerant or is that safe or, or almost? Or I'd imagine you'd almost blister up straight away. I think they're going to have to probably do away with those really thin kits and perhaps even go back to the woolen ones um, yeah. just for that extra protection, well, well, soak yeah, it up yeah. a little bit. Yeah, wetsuits, like a, a one will wetty work well. Uh, I'm, I'm amazed we haven't been consulted about some of these um, ideas, Scotty. I'd imagine 2021 yeah, yeah. tour yeah, could be... Yeah, some innovative thinking. <laughs> and if Richie does go back to... You mentioned Richie a little earlier. If he does go back to Ineos, which is you know on the cards, he'll be very impressed with the the camper van full of Fisher and Paco washing machines, I'd imagine. That's right. Maybe he washes fears away. <laughs> G'day, Richie, if you're listening, big fan of the show. Scotty, you may cast your mind back to the Lombardia race a couple yeah. of weeks ago, yeah. and you might remember a driver in a private vehicle. Um, that private vehicle was a BMW. Got past road closures and cut Max Shackman off, the Bora Hansgrove rider. Oh, yeah. Cut him off on a corner uh, on the final descent of the one-day classic in Italy. Now, mm. after this incident in which uh, Shackman later was found to have broken his collarbone, he finished seventh. He rode on, tough bastard, and finished seventh. The UCI released a statement that went like this. Events on the UCI World Tour calendar are of the highest level and require fully closed roads at all times. The UCI will consider lodging a complaint with the disciplinary commission against the event organisers RCS Sport. 
Now, the old duck who drove that car, Scotty, she mm. was fined 129 euros for driving on a closed road, not indicating and checking if it was safe to turn left. I've just got one thing that I might like to add to it. One wonders if the connections to Jakob Fulsang, who uh, we do love the pronunciation of his name, who was the winner of that race for Team Astana, have been investigated for being at the cause of this incident. Now, he's the eventual winner, member of the team, Astana, as I mentioned. They're not totally foreign to dodgy happenings, Scotty. You may... Basically, anything in Central Europe is just dodgy, isn't it? That's, Correct. That's you, AJ. Yeah, and if you've got someone associated with your team by the name of Alexandra Vinokurov, I think yeah. it should be investigated. I'm just saying that there could be some sort of conspiracy you've gone on. I wouldn't put it past Astana. No, no, definitely. You know, I hadn't thought of it like that. And it's shocking that that was allowed to happen. And then I'm going to, and, and Max Shackman, you know, breaks his collarbone, shocking and well done for finishing. But at the same time, Ross, do you think some of these climbing cyclists, you know, they need to have a hard look at themselves with the recognition that their bones are made out of balsa wood? Like, I don't know. Look, I've never been blindsided by a car, but surely you don't break a collarbone in that situation. You know what I mean? Like, do you think they just need a bit more milk in their diet or something like that? Or just get on the wanger at a Rover's bench press? Well, it's an interesting one because, and I'm sure you would have been the same when you're growing up, you know, you're having your breakfast and your parents say, look, you've got to have your, your glass of milk because it makes your bones big and strong. Um, yeah. So, and that goes, look, that's going back years and years and years ago. Surely that should still be implemented at every level, um, let alone a professional cyclist who is prone to breaking the odd bone. Mm. Yeah, and they're like, yeah, but the dairy gives me an immune reaction and I can't breathe and it's an aerobic sport. Shut up, idiot. Do you want your bones to break like balsa or what? Yeah. I can get it down you. Okay, yeah. no boss. And I've also got this vial of EPO. Would you like to jam that in your ass too? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, but you won't have a glass of milk. No worries, mate. That doesn't have any allergic reactions. No, no, no. You'll be dead at 46 with a heart attack. But anyway, you'll be right. No worries. Hey, Scotty, we've seen some um, squad changes in readiness for season 2021, even though we're only, as it turns out, a few weeks into season 2020. Um, yeah. a big, the big one, obviously, is Froome to Israel's startup nation. Daryl Impey will be joining him there as his lieutenant. Was there any other ones that took your fancy? Any ones you've noticed that, that slid uh, across your desk? Yeah, uh, I reckon interesting, you know, Greg Van Arma, obviously CCC are finishing, so he's gone to, you know, the French team, AGR, La Mondial. Or whatever it is. And then that, so that means I've got Oliver Nason, who GVA rides with and is close friends with, and some other um, decent sort of strong man's gone there too. So all of a sudden, they got a bit of a team there for the classics. Can't even remember his bloody name. How's that preparation for you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they that was, in that stinking brownish sort of kit. It's they had to do something, didn't they? That's right. I think that kit was inspired by that story of um, Greg Lamont going up one of the mountains and you know doing a shit in the in his um, teammates cascade. Like uh, they said, right? We want to be known for a hard riding, and if that means there's a bit of gastrointestinal stress, we can just let it rip, and no one's a wiser. Yeah, we'll cater for it. Oh, I never yeah. actually thought of that, but um, yeah, that's probably a fair. Yeah. Scott, Scotty, I've got a question for you without any notice. What's one thing you expect to see at the tour? Mm. I'll let you think about it. I'm going to kick it off. I expect okay. to see that both of these guys in a break, one of them is Thomas DeGen and the other yeah. one is Simon Geschka. Always yeah. in a break, every single year. If not together, they'll be working together, the two bearded fellas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
I'm trying to think. Um, I reckon one thing, it's an obvious thing, the thing that jumps in my head is um, Roglic. I reckon he will not only be able to sit pretty into the last minute and then do some damage, I reckon he'll be able to do some damage and get some time on a descent somewhere. Okay. Um, yep. You know, a couple of years ago he did that in the high mountains. Obviously, yeah, he's just a good athlete. He's just, the way he sits on a bike, the way he holds himself posturally, I reckon there's a lot of athleticism there and I reckon he will find some time in not just pure climbing sector. Yep. So I reckon yep. look out for that. No, that's a, that's a good call. That's a real good call, Scotty. I just wanted to, I, I noticed just before we finish up in uh, some of the national yeah. titles, uh, in the Belgian uh, national time trial, Wood Van Aert obviously won it. Now he rode, I think it was a 49K course, he averaged 50Ks. Now that just makes you wet your pants. <laughs> That's off its head. The most purest peddler in the peloton. That's um, exquisite. He's in. He's in form, isn't he? He's in. You know, his mind would be nice and calm. He'd be confident. He'd be just almost like, all right, I can't wait. Let, let me get out there. Almost an unfair advantage that the fact that they can just slot him in. And we're, we're even talking about a, a team that has a Grand Tour winner in Dumoulin, Sepp Kuss, who is possibly the next big thing in world cycling, Robert Hessink, who's been top five, I believe, in that tour in the past. Just mm. guns everywhere. Tony Martin and another one. It, it's it's extraordinary that they've got that. Uh, George Bennett, another one, mm. who won a race a couple of weeks ago. It all points to a really, really interesting three weeks, I reckon, Scotty. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What about a question for you, Ross? To take it away from the pro level and back to grassroots and solo cycling. We're in Australia. Uh, we're both in the state of Victoria where there's been degrees of lockdown restrictions. You've been getting on the indoor trainer quite a bit. What's been keeping you going through this time? We, we know the value of cycling regularly. We know the value of exercise. We know the value of, we even know the value of indoor cycling, what it does for, you know, outdoor riding. What, what sort of, uh, what's been keeping you going through through that where sometimes you can't ride how you might like to? Yeah, I've been giving this a little bit of thought, mate. I think the well-being part of it, which you touched on there, is, is a massive thing, particularly uh, when there are restrictions on where you can go and how long you can go out for and, and with. Um, yeah. But it also brings a deep satisfaction when you're able to have a real good hit out, albeit not actually moving anywhere. So I think I, I gain a lot of satisfaction out of that. But I've also started to, to bring into my mindset a real desire to improve and actually see where I can get to. See, not that I'm going to race anywhere, but actually just see how much I can improve when the bunch rides start up again, when we're doing those climbs that we do regularly, just to see where I'm at. And there's a desire to improve, Scotty. And I've got a, a guy who I ride with in the bunch we go out with locally here whose motto is winter miles equals summer smiles. And I love that saying. Mm. Is that going to be like on, on a jersey? Are we? Likely to see that somewhere. Probably a massive tattoo down my arm, I reckon. On one yeah. side, it'll be winter miles, and then on the other side, other side it'll be summer smiles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's going to be good. What about you, mate? Can I flip it back to you? What's that? What's before the driver at the minute? Yeah, sorry, Ross. Before we do that, improvement when you get back in the bunch. What would be what would be a an indicator of improvement? Then I'm interested. This is me being a coach. Yeah. What would be an indicator of that? How would you know if you've improved? Uh, I think it'll be in terms of ability to climb and ability to hang with and be up towards the front with the guys who are who are regularly good climbers and who can come off the front. 
and set the pace. So if I can be not beating them, but be able to hang with them for a bit longer, if not for the whole time, would be nice. And I think usually how, how our bunch rides end up with that kick towards the end, that bunch kick, if I can be similarly not winning it, but be close to being able to hang with them, that's usually about the point where I start to die in the arse. So I'd, <laughs> I'd like to be in and around the mix there at some stage. That's sort of 60Ks in of our ride. So it's the legs are starting to feel it a little bit. So these miles hopefully will go a long way towards giving me a bit of a, a level there. So what is there a rider in the pro peloton who represents these qualities that you could sort of we could we know we could grab hold of? Um, well, I would Van Art. I see a lot of similarities between myself and Van Art, Scotty. I think yeah. just <laughs> no, that's a good but question. Demonstrate the qualities. Perhaps someone who leave it with me. Can you leave it with me? And yeah, I'll come back in the next episode. I want to examine someone who exhibits the qualities that I want to try and take into my writing. Yeah, nice. Because this could be a little bit of an ongoing sort of a narrative, you know. Could, yep. be, could be all right. Yeah, I might give some updates as I go. Yeah, why not? What about you, mate? Can you can you give us a bit of an insight as to your driver? Yeah, it's, it's similar to you. I'm in a phase of my cycle where I'm really focusing on uh, improving and training and being really direct in my training. I got back into crits last year, really enjoyed them, um, recognised a whole lot of things that I'd forgotten, like why do, you know, why have I stayed away for so long and this is much where I'm much more suited to riding. I enjoy the decision-making and the tactics and the speed and blah, 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 and the flat, the flatter, the flatter circuits too. So um, I'm really hoping that the racing season opens up here in Victoria, Australia, um, in a few months' time. So I'm, I'm doing that. I'm actually in the middle of a phase where I'm doing some strength endurance sort of stuff and it's been a bit, I'm recognising that it's actually really helping me. It's a bridging a bit of a gap between, I've got a bit of pop in my legs and, I'm, and my lungs are okay, but it's that, that stuff in the, like almost like when you're on a climb, that sort of tension, the legs under tension and holding and staying in that tension for a long time or relatively long time, that's what I'm training at the moment. I'm really feeling like it's helping. So um, yeah, definitely I'm about improving and then I'm about eyes on the prize with seeing how much I can improve and develop in the crits and really, really go full tilt into getting the best result I can and win, intend to win, but make sure that I really enjoy every part of it as well. So it's sort of similar. Yeah, when you're on that, that trainer and you might be at that level of discomfort, can you correlate that to that point in a race that you might have had in a crit already or that area that you might be able to improve on when racing does come back. Can you really take hold of that moment in that moment of discomfort on the bike? Yeah. Yeah, I can and it happens pretty easily. I just, um, what happens for me is I start feeling the sensations of whatever the challenge is because that's, you know, obviously that's the training. And then it's sort of the image flashes into my mind about what that sort of situation is in the race. Um, so, you know, whether it's on a certain part of the course or a certain um, what's happening or someone's attacking, yeah, I find that making that connection quite easy and that certainly helps. And, again, this is where I'd gone away from tra- a training approach for quite a while and it just it's helping. So I, I cycle for fun, I cycle for social, cycle for health and well-being, um, but now I'm adding that extra bit of accountability of performance and wanting that. And it's sort of sweeping everything along beautifully with it. So, so in short, yeah, I can connect those two and that does help me. 
And although it's a really structured environment, Scotty, that you can set up, all those things can can line up and you can have those ducks lined up. That's where that enjoyment and the satisfaction comes as you immerse yourself in it on race day. And, yeah, I'll be interested to see and looking forward to seeing, mate, how that does add up in your performances. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, and if when we ever talk about this stuff, it's it's not only for us, of course, it's for anyone else to hopefully benefit from as well. So it's not as though we're trying to draw attention to ourselves; it's more sharing the way we're approaching it and what what other people can take from it. So yeah, that, that's what I love to do as well. So hopefully we can do that as well as have a gag and a laugh. Yeah, and just just to add to that, mate. If anyone out there does have some questions that they'd like to to ask in that space, Scotty, you've got a, a reasonably big, solid background in the coaching, and given the people you've been able to tap into, you might have some some answers for some people or, or something that might um, stimulate some growth there. So by all means, guys, contact us, and um, we might be able to to uh, handle your queries on air. Yeah, and it's not as though we feel like we've got the answer, but we can share our thinking about it and, and, and might just add to someone's perspective, you know. If you like our vibe, then throw it at us and let's Absolutely. see what we can come up with all together. Absolutely. And if you have enjoyed it, get on, give us a bit of a rate, um, subscribe and, and like us. Yeah, that might just spread the love around the world, if not the country, if not locally. Um, the next door neighbour might start listening and, and think, why yeah. the hell did you get me onto these two bikes? I just <laughs> waffle on for hours. Hopefully that's what I think. <laughs> but we're having fun, mate. It's been a lot of fun talking to you again, Scotty, and uh, look forward to doing it very soon. Yeah, midway through the tour, perhaps. Unreal. Good on you, Ross. Thanks, mate. Good to speak to you, mate. See you later.